and welcome back to the CFC Talk podcast. And I know I said Akash will join again when when Chelsea get back to a good result, but uh, sadly another another loss. Southampton two one uh, against Chelsea, and honestly very frustrating. We're recording this what twenty four hours after the match, almost twenty four hours after the match, and it still feels surreal that we lost the way that we did. And after Leeds, you thought right, we couldn't have a worse performance than Leeds. Uh, little, little did they all say, yeah, hold on, we can, we can do worse if you want. And they've just gone and done that. Uh, and now that's gone and affected the fact that, that Wesley Fafana, who's just come in the day we're recording this Wednesday, uh, we haven't had a lot of, you know, hype for him or anything because of that loss, few injuries. And then we've got West Ham coming up as well, but Akash quickly, your quick thoughts on it before we get into the individual players and, uh, the runs that we're going to be going on today. Yep. So, thing is, I generally try not to let results affect me much, really. <laughs> but when it's when it's in the manner of uh, you know what happened versus you know versus uh, it's too late in the day. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Southampton. Oh, versus Southampton. Yeah. <laughs> I have no clue how. <laughs> I think that's how hard my brain is trying to erase it. So. So like, uh, so like, I like we were discussing like two minutes before, right? So the first ten minutes, I think we had a couple of good moments. I was arguing in a group. Uh, someone was pointing out that Jorginho was getting bypassed, and then he made a line-breaking pass to Mount. Mount found uh, Sterling, and then I think we ended up missing that chance. So I was arguing that you know you lose a lot if you take Jorginho off. Uh, you know, totally aligned with people's opinions that he does get bypassed in defense, but he does he does bring a lot of quality on the ball, right? But uh, I think how the match went on and how open we looked in midfield was uh, sad to say the least. And uh, you know, at least I think Todd Bowley saw that match and then he identified midfield uh, as something that he needs to be strengthening. So I think if, if you're looking at positives from that match, this is pretty much the only one uh, apart from like the first ten minutes. So uh, I think it was as bad as I can remember in recent history. And uh, I do not want to relieve that performance ever again. I even forgot the team that played. That's how bad it hit me. <laughs> no, I think <clears throat> before we get into the individual performances, I think overall what we need to talk about is the lack of intensity Chelsea have when the opposition go ahead or the opposition equalize. Yes, against Tottenham, we saw that when we when they equalized. This was still the same Chelsea that was playing the first minute. This was the same Chelsea that was pressing, trying to create chances, getting Tottenham to do errors. We didn't see that against Leeds. We were 1-0 down. They suddenly went 2-0 up. And 2-0 up against a team like Chelsea, with the quality of players we have, we should be able to have enough confidence in ourselves to go, right, we've got another half coming up. We've got a few 15-odd minutes of this half to play. If we can get one back, go one by one, one back at halftime, one after halftime, and then bang, you're in a position where it's it's last goal wins kind of situation. Southampton, we score, they equalize, and suddenly we've forgotten how to play football. We cannot string passes together, we cannot defend, we cannot do anything, and suddenly, bang, they've got another one. And it's the fourth set piece or the third set piece we've conceded in the last five games in the Premier League. Makes sense. And again, so uh, I think... Uh... It might be repeating, but the first 10 minutes were really, really good. Right? Even Ruben Loftus-Cheek looked on firm. I think uh, there were a couple of instances where he broke with the ball into the box. And I think we missed that quality of final pass. I think he, he created a chance for Sterling, which he missed. And Mount had a couple of good moments as well. 
but a lot of managers have stressed on the same thing, right? There is the mentality issue at Chelsea and no one can quite put their finger on what exactly is causing it. Uh, as far as I remember, even if we did go 1-0 down when I was growing up, you could always count on players to at least, you know, get stuck in and put in an effort, right? But I think Kamal was making the same point recently. He does not trust this team to come back from 1-0 down. And concede two goals and, you could, you, you know, you could just as well forget uh, completely about the match, and that is definitely an issue. Uh, I, I'll I'll talk about one very specific match as an example, right? So in 2012-13, we went to Spurs, and I think we went two-one uh, down, if I'm not wrong. But then you had Hazard, Hazard, Mata, and Oscar put in an all-time performance, and we won four-two. Uh, Sturridge scored the last of a Mata, of a Juan Mata assist, and that is one of my most favorite matches over the past decade or so because we showed character that day. You can, you know, put put stuff on a tactics board, talk specifics all day you want, but when you have 11 people, 11 players pulling in the same direction, it, it transmits that energy to the fans as well. And I haven't felt that from Chelsea apart from, the, you know, the, the odd occasion in a really, really long time. And it's concerning if we're this early into the season and people are already having such conversations. So I hope that changes over the next few game days. I, you're right in terms of saying that we don't show intent when we go down because that that just shows in our results. I was when we were listening to the commentary yesterday, and the commentators were saying a uh, a stat where when Chelsea go a goal down at halftime, they've not been able to come back in in so many years. I think the last time we were able to do that was was 2021. And we're, I'm not talking about the 2021-2022 season. I'm talking about right at the start of 2021 when we kind of did that. Uh, other than I can't really remember a performance where we, we, we've kind of come back. And we can sit here and say, yes, this is the issue. This is the issue. This is the issue. And I think this issue stems over the period of the last few managers, including Tuchel. And the reason is, when we hired, let's say, Mourinho, he had a certain style of playing football. He brought in players that he wanted, and then he was suddenly sacked. Conte comes in, Conte brings in his players or his uh, style of players, and then so on and so forth. And and then Lampard did the same thing. Lampard did it with the academy, more or less. But then when Tuchel's come in, he hasn't had a lot of time. This is his second transfer window. So he hasn't had a lot of time to uh, bring in players, which is which is, you know... Not the best, not the best of situations for Tuchel. But in terms of Mason Mount playing at right wing, yesterday he played at uh, midfield right when the formation change happened. Uh, I think sixty fifth minute, sixty seventh minute, some sometime around that. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, he's been off it uh, for the season for sure. Mason Mount and Kai Havertz both maybe need to spend a bit of time on the bench. And with your points with regards to Tuchel, I remember talking to Travis and I think Travis made the same point on Twitter as well recently. Very, very, you know, valid point, right? That you have this piecemeal squad that's made up of players that so many managers have brought in. And, uh, okay, I was just checking if my uh, net network was gone. Yeah, so you have this squad that's made up of so many profiles of so many different managers and... Uh, that, that's obviously translating onto performances on the pitch. We won the Champions League, which was like, you know, sticking a huge band-aid on a gaping hole. Uh, but that doesn't reflect from the fact that this squad does need, uh, you know, at least some time to gel and get used to Tuchel's methods. Ideally, I did not want to be at the start of the season making excuses, right? Because they're definitely not where any of us want to be. But 
we made a lot of our signings pretty deep into the transfer window. Uh, a lot of those people came in like really, really late. And uh, same thing, we we're making excuses again. So I hope that changes, man. Uh, not how I want to be debating Chelsea or football at all. Uh, yeah. I, I, I completely agree with you on that because when I was watching Tuchel's press conference after the match, and at, I guess after that Leeds loss, I expected Tuchel to take the blame, whereas he didn't. He was saying something about the bus situation, something about the flight situation, this and that, so on and so forth, and making excuses like Klopp does. But then yesterday, I thought maybe he is going to try and take some some blame on himself and say, right, I got this wrong, and I, I raise my hand and I say, right, this is this was wrong for me, and next game you won't see this and you won't you will see a change. There was a there there was he was going in that route when he went when he said like you know teams know how to play against us now and teams can beat us and I don't like that however I don't think he knows what the solution is and I don't think anyone at Chelsea right now knows what the solution is because after that Leeds performance even against uh, not Tottenham uh, against Leicester we had that red card only then did we start playing well and even after that to a certain point there were still a lot of errors a lot of mistakes in that um match as well yes Gallagher did get a red card which was uh irresponsible of him to get that but at the end of the day we didn't perform to the level that we should be and what scares me right now and the reason I say this is Sterling against Leicester two goals the only goal scorer against Southampton and the only person on the pitch which looked like who was fighting for a win who was trying his best to try and create chances, try and help out the other attackers. Whereas no one on that pitch felt like, right, we're 1-0 down. This is not what Chelsea do. This is not what um, Chelsea act like. We don't go into a game for a draw. We don't go into a game, you know, just to gather our thoughts or, or to practice. This is not preseason. And I guess the issues rise in midfield with Mount not performing. Kante out, now Loftus-Cheek out as well. Uh, we are going to be in a lot of trouble in terms of midfield. And with the tra- and when you guys see this Thursday afternoon, it's going to be the transfer deadline, which is going to be interesting. Hopefully last minute moves because there were some reports coming in. I, I, I will, uh, let's, let's move on from Southampton because I feel like we could go on and on and on about the, uh, the kind of mistakes that we did on the night, but on a light note, Fofana finally being announced by Chelsea. Yes, a few weeks back, Fabrizio Romano did confirm it, but obviously until it's announced, uh, we've seen it with with Jules Koundé. So uh, how do you feel about him coming in? And obviously with you know Thiago Silva being at the age of he is, not, not taking away from anything that he's been doing for Chelsea, even against Southampton, amazing on the pitch. Uh, how excited are you to see Fofana in that uh, back line? Definitely. So I think there was one stream I was on at the start of the window and we were discussing who the people that we wanted in the squad, right? So I said uh, Koulibaly, Kukurella and Fofana because we're losing out on uh, Rudiger, Christensen and uh, mo- most probably Aspian Alonso. Aspian ended up staying but we've made like three out of three of the signings I wanted in defence and I think uh, we're, not filling in, we're not filling the squad with uh, scrubs like we did before, right? So this is all... Uh, recruitment that's backed by data and it, it is to improve the first 11. And on that front, very, very happy with Fafana. I think uh, we might have to be a bit patient. We might see him make a few mistakes just, just because of how, how young and raw he is. But, you know, he is pretty experienced. He's been in the Premier League for like, uh, this is his third season if I'm not wrong. And 
he he had a decent spell at Centennial as well. Uh, a lot of people, I think, expect him to be this sort of Kunde, similar to Kunde in terms of how he drives with the ball. But he is definitely not that player. He's very risk averse at times with his passing and dribbling. But he he's he's primarily being brought in to defend, and he and he he's he's great at what he does. So. uh really really excited even though it came in the aftermath of that absolute shit show at southampton so uh still guessed that he's here no i'm very excited to have him at chelsea and obviously it's someone that i i i haven't looked at a lot but against chelsea the few times i've seen fofana play as well as a few other leicester city matches that i've seen of he's been really impressive obviously you know you always have that as you said a few of those performances where you struggle and maybe arsenal this season was one of it, one of that for him when gabriel jesus scored the way that he did but in terms of what he can do i think honestly with the record chelsea have this season with one clean sheets in five games and con- conceding so many goals if he's going to come in and improve it go on and do it you can't get worse than it it, was, it is already so uh for him to come in I think there'll be a lot of pressure in terms of what he what he needs to prove at Chelsea but at the same time because of the way that we're playing in the backline because when you look at this backline on paper and you go this is a you know season winning potential backline or you know one of the best defenses in the Premier League and then you look at the first five games and you think right they've already conceded seven or eight goals they've kept one clean sheet this whole season are they really going to be this consistent and the concern i have with chelsea's backline is that we uh we have thiago silva 38 we can't play him week in week out we've got aspelicueta who's slowing down and you can see that in the games and when reese james doesn't play and aspi plays as a right wing back it really shows and the way he has to run for those balls rather than Reece James being very comfortable in back track uh, backing uh, backing up when he needs to defend and going forward when he needs to attack so in terms of that very excited to see him play against uh, not against Reece James but with Reece James on that right hand side because that that is what he uh, what he does best but in terms of more transfer news the big ones that have come out over the last few hours uh Chelsea bidding a supposedly 40 million pounds and 50 million with add-ons uh to Ajax Edison Alvarez I'll be very honest I haven't seen a lot of him uh and I haven't heard a lot of him either I just looked up the stats went right before the podcast just to see what he does and uh, watched a few videos but um your quick thoughts because obviously we need a midfielder we've got two two midfielders injured Conte out for another 3 weeks if I believe 3 or 4 weeks Reece uh, not Reece James uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek still uncomfortable but it's a hamstring injury so it'll take another few weeks as well so we don't have a lot of options and we we are we panic buying here or are we you know or chelsea have been keeping this under the belt just for the transfer deadline day so i think this is uh, a reaction to the recent performances because if if it was something that we had planned you know planned in advance i I'm, i'm sure we would have wrapped it up much sooner right so uh, the window in syria closes in like four hours and this is definitely not an optimal time for Okay, uh, sorry, PSG almost scored. Yeah, so this is definitely not an optimal time when, for us to When be... Chelsea bring you down, you have to watch other matches. And then exactly, I will say this, for, for a lot of FPL players this, this, uh, this midweek, we all were on maximum, I think the, high, the, the average point before the Man City game was about eight or nine points. And then as soon as Haaland scored that hat-trick, the average just moved up to like 35, which... uh it's it's sad to see that we've missed out on Haaland but then when he's in your FPL and he's your captain then 
uh, you, you, you think about it less. Sorry, carry on. I, I quit playing FPL because precisely the same, right? I remember watching a United match and being happy that United scored. And I was like, this has got to stop. This is like against my fundamentals. And I, I totally respect the amount of effort that people put into it. But FPL just isn't for me. And yep, so like we were mentioning, right? So uh, Edson Alvarez, again, I've seen very little of him. I think hardly in a few CL games. Uh, and that's like very sparing, uh, you know, amount of time I spent watching him, right? I definitely want to watch a few full 90s before I make like uh, a conclusive statement on how I find him. But uh, CFC Central has absolutely gone off his rocker. He's, he's saying this is this is abs- exactly the kind of profile that we need uh, in Chelsea, right? And... A lot of people make comparisons to Casemiro in terms of he's an enabler. He will let more creative and more uh, gifted people go ahead and express themselves and he will be the defensive foil to them. And I think, uh, you know, that is exactly the sort of profile we needed. If you look at uh, Jorginho and Gallagher in midfield, Jorginho and uh, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, they are good on the ball. Not not the Jorginho-Gallagher midfield because that was pretty shit in build-up as well. But uh, they're they're players who will benefit with having a more defensive presence next to them. And we've missed out on that for so many seasons, for so long. And it finally looks like we're replacing Matt Tech. So, uh, really excited. And I'm just hoping the deal goes through. Uh, there are reports coming in now that we're looking at Sangare as well. Another player who I've watched very little of. I don't think... I, I have no clue where to watch Eredivisie, first of all. Because we, you, you get every other major league on Indian television. But this, I have no clue where to find it. So... Again, I've only watched him in the Champions League or, you know, sparring matches and uh, pretty much the same. He's a destroyer. I'm not too sure how good on the ball he is, but uh, he's definitely going to improve. Before the window closes. Yeah, I agree. I think both of them are around 24 from what I read. So 24, it's a good age to buy and it's one of those where... I just hope Chelsea are patient and I just want the fans to be patient. Yes, maybe this this season they won't have the the um major season of their careers or next season. But at the age of 24 you're going to have to give them time. Yes, we don't have a lot of midfielders where we can afford to give players like them uh, a lot of time. But if, if I can remember, I think what I read about uh, I think it was Sangari that I read about that he's a, he plays a natural number 6. Role, so something Chelsea do or have been looking for, obviously, and since these injuries. I just hope it's not a panic buy. And I think you're right in saying if we've been looking at these players uh, for a while, then we would have wrapped it up quite early rather than leaving it late. But um, I just hope that these are two players that were probably on the list, but we never pursued because we thought, right, if we can get our defense and attack sorted out, we can make do with the midfield that we have. But with Gilmore, I think leaving two players injured and Connor Gallagher as well, like obviously not performing to the level and Mason Mount as well. I think Chelsea's kind of gone, right, we can't end this window like this. And it is very, very surprising that we've spent so much this window. And obviously and a not lot of money. DM, yep. Yeah, we haven't signed a DM, not a no striker as well uh, in terms of what we've been looking at. We've been we've continuously been going after defenders and attack attackers in terms of wingers. Obviously only the, the one the only one that we actually went for was Sterling. Uh maybe a Bamiang for for a bit. But other than that, I think, you know, we've been linked with every defender to ever play football kind of situation. Uh, to yep. a point where we're thinking about 2023 and signing Bardiol and loaning him back out for this season which to me just doesn't make sense for 60 million yes you might be able to get him next year and 
it just very the most surprising thing i think for me is we need it really badly how long are we going to push it for declan rice is this going to be another one of those situations like erling Haaland, where we're going to keep pushing it and think right we can delay in a year we're going to delay in another year and then we get lukaku thinking he's going to be better than Haaland, and now we've just spent 110 million and man city had no competition maybe some from real madrid but they were like obviously the the um the relation his dad and man city had that probably had something to do with it but other than that just the fact that man city had a clear ground to negotiate whereas i think with declan rice it's not going to be the case man city will come for them other teams will come for him as well Chelsea think, oh, because he was a young Chelsea player before, he's a big Chelsea fan, he's got friends at Chelsea. It doesn't work like that. If he sees Chelsea struggle for the next two years, he's not going to come. Uh, to me, that's very surprising. I think we should just pay $100 million for Declan Rice and get him in. Honestly, what are your thoughts? Uh, so, again, so if if it, if this was under Frank, it's a lot, a lot clearer for me, right? Because Declan is the exact same profile that uh, Frank wanted in midfield. He wanted an, an athletic presence who was who didn't have to be Busquets or Jorginho level on the ball, but he wanted some level of competency. And also, I think he wanted Declan for his uh, defensive attributes more than anything else. And uh, <laughs> it made perfect sense to me. And I was a big fan of uh, bringing Declan Dyson then. Right now, I'm not too sure. And uh, I've discussed this with a lot of, with a lot of people, right? Uh, West Ham in build-up are very, very rudimentary. So, they do not complicate build up as much as as much as Chelsea do. It's like you have an outlet on the out wide, pass the ball to him and then move the ball forward. Very similar in England as well. So Declan Rice is not challenged uh you know to sort of uh you know overcomplicate or complicate complicate things in build up. Whether he can do the role in a double pivot in Chelsea, I am not too sure. But a lot of people I respect seem to think so. So I'm you know on board I'm happy if we sign him but uh there is value to be found in the defensive midfielder market and Liverpool score. For me, notice. Okay. Yeah. So there is value to be found in the market. And uh, if our scouting team can find someone, you know, for maybe half the price, totally on board with that as well. There, there will always be value in the market. So if we lose on race, I'm, I'm not, I'm not too bothered. Yeah. No. I think. Look, honestly, that is something that um, we sh- we should be. I think. Honestly, yeah, we should have been going for Declan Rice, and I think it goes it, it boils down to our scouts as well, and something that I've been reading. <coughs> Sorry, for those of you who was watching on on video, you probably saw that my just dripping water all over me for some reason. Uh, I I completely forgot how to drink water, but um, I think I'm bl- I'm gonna bl- I'm gonna put some blame on our scouts as well here because we're not able to scout anyone. Like I look at the talent Man City have, have brought up and the talent Liverpool are bringing up with, with Fabio Calvario. Um, Diaz, not Diaz, Diaz maybe to a point and then maybe um, Nunes maybe I would say. But why are we not able to scout players like these? Why are we going for 28-year-old Lukaku? Why are we go, going for 27-year-old Hakim Ziyech? These are established players in their clubs. Yes, they've been doing incredible at their clubs. But again, these are players who are not ready to adapt to a new system who are not ready to play in a new position. They're they're used to the whole pass to Ziyech, he's going to cross it, swap the play around, and and bang, that's a goal for Ajax kind of situation, which he's used to. We're not used to that at Chelsea. We can't do that. And you can't play like that in the Premier League for 38 games. That's why Ziyech in the UCL is a lot more different than Ziyech in the Premier League because 
the intensity is different. No doubt. I'm not trying to say Premier League clubs are better than UCL clubs or whatever, but I'm just saying on a UCL night, you can, because it's a one-off game, you, you're, you're able to just get that goal not think about that game anymore. Whereas in the Premier League, because it's a marathon and you already know what, what happens to, in the previous games, it affects you in the, in the next games to come because you think, right, even if we win this, we're still going to be six. We're going to still going to be seventh. We still need to fight another few games so on and so forth. So, Overall, not happy with Chelsea's, uh, you know, scout scouting department. Whoever's motivating the players, whoever's because this team is not motivated at all to win anything at, at this point. It just seems like they're there. They're gonna come in, play ninety minutes, whether they win or lose, kind of situation. Um, a lot of talk about Pulisic being disrespectful to the away fans when he walked off the stadium and not, you know, clapping and not coming over to see them situation. And I think overall, look, I, I know Tuchel's going to be very frustrated with this. And it's not long before the board starts getting irritated and the and, and Todd Bowley starts getting irritated because as much as we like to say we want to stick with Tuchel, I think this board is very similar to Thomas Tuchel. The way we've spent money and the way we're spending money, I feel like if time comes right and he's got the right options, Todd Bowley won't hesitate twice to... Not saying that Tuchel should get the sack before before you Chelsea fans come at me and say, oh, Tuchel out already. Um, but I think this board is going to be as ruthless as the last one. Uh, I I disagree there because... <coughs> The amount of backing that uh, he's getting, right? Tukil is getting because he's he's literally getting every profile that he wants. And if they are going to be trigger happy, then spending this amount of money makes no sense because you're, you're eventually creating deadwood for the next manager. And I'm hoping that we are past that culture of hire and fire because you look at Arsenal and you know they still haven't won anything. I'm, but I'm just saying, last year the first couple of matches they were an absolute eyesore, right? They couldn't string two passes together. I remember talking to Arsenal fans who were saying, "We do not recognize the te- this team. We don't care who comes and just get Arteta out." But Dodge Kronke, credit to him, stuck with Arteta. Edu was bagged. They had a solid plan in mind and they convinced the ownership of it. And it's paying off now. As in, even if they haven't won anything, there's a coherent football plan. You can see it on the pitch. I think that's the end goal for Chelsea as well. So if uh, we are we are happy just being a cup team that you know hires a new manager, goes on a bounce, wins one trophy here and there, uh, fair play. But I do, I definitely think uh, Todd Bowley in his mind wants sustainable footballing success and uh, stability as well. So I think I'm hoping that Tuchel is backed. But you never know if you, if we are like tenth come December, there's definitely going to be eyes on him, right? So I'm hoping that we don't sink to those levels, but. Uh, if we can maintain a decent amount of uh, success on the pitch right now, like let's say stay in and around the top four, I don't see Tuchel being into being into no, much yeah. risk. I'm not, I'm not saying necessarily that it's going to happen or it should happen or I think or I believe or I, I want it to happen. I'm just saying I feel like this board will be ruthless as well. It's not going to be one of those where we'll be fine with a top 10 finish or a Champions League once in a while. You know, they, they, we want Champions League football year in, year out and the way I look at it is it's it's a growing culture now more than more than ever before that like it's happening with Man United, the targets they had in mind, Frankie de Jong specifically, I'm going to say, the reason he didn't want to join United isn't because he doesn't think there's a project there. Obviously, he, you know, he knows Ten Hag really well, Ajax as well, that link. It's just that 
he doesn't think they're going to be able to achieve Champions League football. And they haven't done it in the past. Uh, they're not in it this year as well. So it's all, players generally do hesitate coming into a club when there's not a certain future. Um, unless they have an emotional link to the club or they know that they actually do believe in the managers and then the next five, seven years situation, uh, if it comes to that. So, yeah, Chelsea will have to, you know, tie their laces up, really get going. And, you know, the first game from that, which is not the ideal one, West Ham United, uh, thankfully at home, because obviously at London, still London Stadium, we don't have a great record against them. So um, your quick thoughts on, on West Ham and whether we, sh- we you know, it'll be a game that Chelsea fans will end up enjoying or, or another uh, one of those nights. At home, so I'm hoping for a reaction. But West Ham are very, very difficult to play against. And they, they do have... It's not like they're short on technical quality, right? They have players like Fornals, <laughs> uh, Antonio and Declan Reyes, obviously, who are really, really good on the ball. And they had, they now have Skamaka, who's adapting to the league a lot, a lot faster and a lot better than I expected him to. And uh, I'm not too sure if... Uh, Paqueta is starting. I don't think he will be, but he might come off the bench as well. And again, a really, really good player. Bit of a showboat. So, I think I I just saw a tweet saying people think uh, people people are frustrated with uh, Richarlison doing a bit of keepy piece. They should wait till they see Anthony Anthony and Paqueta on the pitch, right? So, they are they're ballers, but and and they know that they are good on the ball. So, you're you're obviously going to see a bit of showing off. Uh, So, all I'm hoping for again, and I stress this point every week, is for us to show some semblance of uh, a plan in attack. You can have these individual moments of brilliance, you can write them for a couple of weeks, but eventually, the quality of chances always reverts to the mean, right? And uh, that's all I'm hoping for. Uh, At times, watching Chelsea feels like a bit of an eyesore, and I, I I don't want that to be the case. We've spent way too much money and uh, brought too much quality in for them to look this this, this you know disjointed in attack and against west ham i'm just hoping that you know my eyes are on the starting lineup if, if we go ahead with the same midfield of let's say uh, jorginho and yep so ruben lofrisic is obviously injured so i'm just curious who partners him there kovacic i don't think is fit for a full 90 uh, so i am hoping that someone like uh, chaloba or ampru if he's still in the squad, he, it hasn't been official, right? As in, no, they haven't announced the loan too. Else. So I'm still holding on to the hope that he might stay. So yeah, let's see. I think, likewise, I've got not a lot. I, I don't have a lot of expectations. I don't want to keep a lot of expectations, I should say, from Chelsea in terms of uh, playing a wonderful game of football. I think it's one of it, one of those games where you can take a win out for me. That's that's good enough. Just get the three points. Honestly, the last thing I want is us falling behind so quickly at the start of the season that when the World Cup comes, Tuchel's got two months to think about it. And by the time Tuchel's figured it out, we it's too late. It's too late for the season and we can't save it. So very, very scared about the way we're going to line up against West Ham, obviously. And if I, if if Tuchel is ready to admit that it's his fault, and which he kind of did in the, in the post-match press conference, I would expect him to go Havertz on the bench, maybe Mount on the bench as well. Uh, but I don't... I can't think of Mount being on the bench because we don't have a lot of midfielders. So maybe Jorginho Mount, maybe Jorginho Kovacic, and then Kovacic comes off in the 60th minute or maybe in the half time for Mount. But, you know, I want to see Broya up, up front. I want to see Sterling there playing with him. I want to see Pulisic, maybe Ziyech if he's staying. I don't know what the situation's like with him as well. So I want to see 
<clears throat> Broya get as much of a chance that Harris has got in these five games. And the reason I say that is because when he came on against Southampton, he looked much more composed. He looked much better on the ball with uh, compared to Havertz. And there's only so much Tuchel can do to help Havertz. Now, Havertz is going to have to prove it in training. Havertz is going to have to prove it in games where, you know, it's not the first team lining up. We've got youngsters lining up along with Havertz because realistically he's had five games and almost three full 90 minute games or four more four 90 minute games to play with and if he hasn't scored a single chance messed up almost four good chances I would say good chances they're not I'm not saying shots I'm just saying really good chances which he's messed up so overall I'm not very pleased with Havertz irrespective of oh against Leicester his uh, game was incredible in the second half because he was isolated. No, I don't care. My strike, if, Ch- if if Chelsea's got a striker, Chelsea's got someone up front, he has to be scoring goals to be in that team. And if Breuer can score a few goals in the next five games or in the next two games, clearly we know who's better. I'd rather have Breuer in the lineup who does who scores goals, maybe doesn't do as much running as Havertz, maybe does not create as many chances as Havertz. But if he's scoring a goal, that's way better than what Havertz has already done this season. Um, that okay. Obviously, I think it was his cross that that uh, or his pass which led to the Sterling goal. But realistically, uh, not something you want. Like look at how look at how I know I'm comparing it to Haaland, but uh, realistically, six goals in sixty minutes for Haaland the last two games, and you've got someone like Havertz who hasn't. I can't remember the last time he's actually scored a goal. So um, not very excited for that. Um, honestly, Akash, your your final thoughts. Quick predictions for Leicester before we end it and call it a night. I know it's very late. Yeah, so for me, uh, all I'm looking forward to again is, is just a good performance, right? Even if we draw the game, I'm not I'm not that bothered. But I just want to see 11, 11 players pulled in the same direction. I'm hoping that we go with the front three of uh, Mount uh, Mount Sterling and uh, Broya because uh, Broya in the few minutes that he was on showed so much more intent and so much more quality on the ball right if uh, so i was hyping up the havertz's pass to mount saying you know get him on the ball deeper but it, it, it's scraping at the barrel and looking for dregs of positivity at this point so i'm just trying to find some positives in havertz's game and that shouldn't be the case on you know for a player who we signed for upwards of 75 million so i think he needs to chow bench for a while and uh, we can't bench mount right now because we're so short, so short on options so uh, I'm hoping for a positive performance and a 2-1 win. And yep, uh, I hope that kick starts us, sets us up for the rest of the season. Honestly, a 1-0 and I'll be very happy. Just a 1-0. Just, just show me that we can defend. Get a clean sheet. 1-0. Anyone can score. I don't care. You know, get Mendy to score the goal. I don't care. Anyone can score. Uh, but just get a goal. Get the three points. Come uh, uh, and then, you know, prepare for the Champions League game that's going to come up next weekend, which next week, midweek, which is another... Know, hectic uh, situation to deal with for Thomas Tuchel. But yeah, games are going to come thick and fast since it's the World Cup year and it's in between a Premier League season, obviously in between club football. So it's not, it's un, it's unlike another season where you have one or two Champions League games uh, in, in a month, whereas now it's going to be quite fast. It's going to hit you hard um, and it's going to be a lot sooner with the, you know, I think the EFL, EFL Cup as well coming up against Man City which is going to be another game to look out for, obviously, in the next few months. So a lot to look forward to, but if only if Chelsea can get their strings together, get their laces tied up and, and play the football that Tuchel expects them and everyone expects them to play, 
Um, thank you guys for watching. Thank you guys for listening on an audio platform. Make sure to follow Akash on all of his social media pages. We'll link it below. Follow all of our social media pages uh, to follow with the transfer news. Obviously, tomorrow we're going to try and do a live stream tomorrow night right before the transfer window ends or um, right as the transfer window ends to um, try and maybe have a lookout on the transfers from the Premier League as well as the big leagues or the big teams around the world or around Europe. And yep, so I'll see you guys for that. And until then, stay safe.